Welcome to this episode of the Flight Test Safety Podcast. I'm your host, Art Tomasetti. Now, before we get our monthly focus topic, I want to thank everyone for the comments, feedback, and discussion around last month's focus topic of the no vote. If you haven't had a chance to listen, I encourage you to do so, as I believe it is one of the most important things an organization can do for its safety culture. If I had to pick one word to describe this month's focus topic, I would say it's electric. The concept for electric machinery has been around since the late 1700s, but the first practical electric motor wasn't developed until around 1832. And then by the late 1800s, humans were being moved around by electric charcoal. But today we're seeing the emergence of a variety of new cutting-edge electric-powered vehicles cars, motorcycles, and even airplanes. Out at NASA Armstrong Research Center, they are developing an electric aircraft called the X-57. And today we are joined by two of the test pilots for that program for our monthly focus. All right, today I'm joined by Mr. Wayne Ringelberg and Mr. Tim Williams from NASA, who are going to talk to us a little bit about the X-57 program. Gentlemen, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to be on our podcast today. I'd like to start off with each of you just giving us a little bit about your background and your current role at NASA. So, Tim, if we can start with you. Okay. Uh, thanks, Turbo. Thanks for having us here. Uh, I am uh, been here at NASA uh, for about 12 years and uh, flown in various projects. Uh, prior to that, I was an Air Force guy, flew mostly uh, U-2s. Uh, a test guy at uh, USAF uh, TPS, one of my instructors was... Uh, Ringo over there uh, back in the day. Uh, fortunately, I've flown on several different projects uh, uh, in the Air Force and I moved over to NASA here. Uh, so uh, been flying, doing different things, still a lot of U2s, a lot of science, but a lot of research that we've done over the years. Bring it over to Ringo, our chief pilot, by the way. Yeah, as, as Tim mentioned, uh, I'm, the, I'm currently the chief pilot here at Armstrong. I'm also the number two pilot on X-57. Tim and I have been working that for, for a few years now. Uh, my background at NASA has mostly been airborne science, but I've been doing the test side of it for the past uh, few years. Uh, background before that was uh, Air Force flight tests, both as a uh, military member and a civil servant. A little bit of pointy-nose stuff, but mostly multi-engine and tankers and transports in my background. Perfect. And for our listeners who aren't familiar with the X-57 project, could one of you give us just a little background and an overview of what that is? Uh, and we will be including a link in the podcast description for people who want to find out more, but just kind of a brief overview of the project and the aircraft. It's an all-electric airplane, and everyone kind of knows about that. So we're taking batteries, and we're taking electric motors, and we're converting an airplane uh, that was formerly uh, driven by internal combustion motors or engines, uh, Rotax, as it were, and a very popular multi-engine trainer, primary uh, trainer. And so it's an ideal platform to put these similar size power electric motors on, an, on a platform and go fly. And But you may, many people will say, that's kind of already been done, but not really on a multi-engine airplane. And we're going to take it to the extreme where... It's not just these same size power that you'd have on a Rotax. We're going to use a lot of small, scalable motors, which is something you can do uh, with electric motors much, much easier than you can do with internal combustion engines. And so this is a, a very unique uh, element. We're trying to prove it out. Uh, you've probably seen uh, a capability and efficiency where we use blown lift 
that's a carryover having small scalable electric motors and doing those kind of things. Blown lifts has been around for a long time. It's not the first time, but we're taking it to an extreme. And for those aerodynamicists out there, the key thing is we're trying to get up to a, a C sub L as you were of five typical wings with flaps, maybe do two. So it's quite the challenge uh, aerodynamically. And there's so many other challenges that we're doing as well. And I'll roll it over to Ringo. Yeah, so, you know, Tim uh, hit, hit basically uh, the big points there. Uh, primarily, its original design driver was a five-fold increase in efficiency by one, using electric power, uh, efficiency of electric motors, eventually getting them out, cruise motors on the wingtips, and using a smaller wing with blown lift for the same kind of slow speed characteristics as the original airplane, and then try and get about a five times uh, increase in, in efficiency, if you will. And that's kind of driven the whole design process and the different phases that we have that you can, you, you can check out on the link to get into those. But that's kind of the big picture of it. So I've got a Tesla, and I will tell you, coming from a background of internal combustion engine vehicles, driving the Tesla is a different experience, right? So I, I've got to imagine the same thing, and probably even on a, on a much grander scale applies from an airplane standpoint. So, so just help us understand some of the, the key differences you've already discovered as you're approaching getting into an electric airplane versus a traditional combustion engine type airplane. Okay, I can I can start. I thought about this for a little bit, Turbo. When you when you I got to go first because I've only got a few things. Tim will have the, the PhD level stuff. So, number one, I think it's something that I hadn't originally thought about. I think is noise is going to be a lot lower. Uh, we haven't really gotten practical experience running the airplane here at NASA yet. We're going to get that soon, but I think we're going to be impressed by how much more quiet it is. Uh, I think the engine response, as you probably see in your Tesla, the response on these motors is quite a bit more than what we would get on a on a, certainly on a turboprop or a, certainly a piston-driven engine. So I think that's something that we'll see. And, and just from a practical standpoint, it's a, it's a change in mindset on, you know, how much fuel do you have left? What's your bingo? Now it's, you know, an energy state on a battery, which is an art as much as it is a science. So I think that's a lot of what we need to learn to make sure we understand that at the level that we need to for safety and flight operations. Because, you know, if your Tesla runs out of juice, you just step on out. Unless you're in the middle of a bridge somewhere, generally you can just pull over and step out and ask for help. It's not quite as easy when you're in an airplane. And, and then from an emergency standpoint, I think the, the idea of, of the battery fire is probably the, the biggest emergency that's significantly different, electrical type fire, but probably coming from the battery. That's kind of my thoughts. Tim I, probably has a couple more. Yeah, so to continue with the battery, uh, we learned early on that these lithium ion cells, and you have to understand that the evolution of lithium ion is something like, oh, it's just like a C cell size kind of thing. That's one option, uh, 18650 is one of the uh, size factors that we do. We just have a bunch of them, but if you thought, well, I'll just bunch of them, throw them in a bag, and use duct tape to wrap them all together and you know, do that, you know, these things are extremely powerful. And you just can't do that. And so we've learned over the time period that you have to have a certain design rigor in those type of batteries. So the term is passive propagation rejection. Because you have a series of these batteries, they have so much energy. And what kicks, cooks these little pups off is basically uh, heat. And then it'll, it'll just uh, spontaneously start shorting and then it brings more heat. We found out you have to have a good design that does that. Now what that does to the rest of the community is 
have a good design for passive propagation rejection. In other words, one of your cells, for various reasons, goes a little bit bad. How are you going to keep it? How are you going to cool it down? I mean, uh, Tesla may use a, a liquid type of uh, medium to do that. We just can't afford that weight. You know that we just can't do. So we had to come up with some air kind of system that does that. That's the same kind of design philosophy in power battery packs that uh, they use on the ISS. And then when they go out and do their space flocks, it's the same philosophy and that's what we've had to do. So when we go out and evaluate, well, when the FAA looks at a new design, and so that's one of the questions they're gonna have. They're gonna go, well, how's your, how'd you do your batteries? Obviously everyone's using the same batteries. How, how did you plan to get rid of if you had a bad day with a battery? You know, our point is we have a good design. So a lot of people would say, well, you must have a ballistic chute on the airplane. No, I don't. Well, you must carry a wear chute in the airplane. No, I don't. We have a design that if we have one of those things, that element, that heat is gonna be expended out of the airplane. We mitigate through design. And that takes time to do that. And that, that's what I'll tell you about. Some of the things we've already learned. I mean, it's not, this thing doesn't go Mach 2, but there's a lot to be learned. And that's what we're doing right now at NASA. You've described some of the differences, obviously, uh, with the battery technology and everything. As you approach having to test this airplane here in the in the future, and, and given your experience with testing other types of vehicles that are not electric vehicles, what do you see as some besides the battery thing? What do you see as some of the other unique challenges that this that the X fifty seven will bring from a flight test perspective? So some of the challenges is there's much to be said about. Uh, electromagnetic interference when you have lots and lots of motors and you have to think about that and then again it's another design requirement that if you have electric motors and you have a control system for that they have to be somewhat hardened against all that EMI we would just say that's that's what you do and but it's, it's much much more difficult on one of these type of airplanes and say something that has a GE engine like an F-18 or something like that I mean this is a level beyond that. And so we've already gone through some of the designs we've done. This program has been going on for a while uh, over the last couple of years and revisited them and saying, how are we going to mitigate some of these issues that we've already seen in the lab? And now we're developing that design requirements, which is also a skill set for the, the engineers that are on this, this project. It's, it, it comes back to this. What do we get out of it? What uh, what does the public get out of it? We set out these ideas, these guidelines for the FAA and how uh, other manufacturers can go about and produce good, safe products. And then the other thing we do is we develop great, great engineers who are now going to experience, hey, this thing didn't work. How do we fix it in the future? That's kind of the product that we're going to do. Ringo? Yeah, one of the things that, that I kind of learned on the project uh, I'm sure the, the smart designers at NASA probably already were anticipating this or knew it. But one thing I learned that, that kind of surprised me was the amount of software in the airplane. You think it's a, a, a fairly simple airplane, certainly the version, uh, the non-electrified version. But now that we're putting you know, batteries and motors in it, the level of software running to both monitor and control the batteries, monitor, control the motors and monitor, control the controls for the motors, it's a lot of software and, this, and the software testing is, is a significant effort. And we all know there's plenty of examples of, you know, how challenging software testing can be and make sure that you, you find all the potential pitfalls. So 
uh, I, I think that is as uh, something I learned on this particular project. I hope you enjoyed that, and we'll pick up the second half of this discussion next month. For our On the Web feature, if you go to our Resources and Links tab on the Flight Test Safety webpage, you will find a section for flight test safety sites. One of those will take you to the homepage of the NASA Armstrong Flight Research Center, where you will find further information about the X-57 and other projects in work. In this month's edition of the Flight Test Safety Fact, you'll take a fast flight through a small sample of flight test safety news and accidents reports, be sure to check out the op-ed piece on statistical rigor, and you'll also find some additional discussion from me about the NOVO with a homework assignment. Wait, what? Did you say homework? Yes. Yes, I did. Our first ever homework assignment for readers. So grab your copy of the Flight Test Safety Fact, your composition book, your number two pencils, and maybe your favorite after-school homework snack like ring dings, Twinkies, or snowballs. Now for upcoming events. There's a call for papers out for SETP's virtual symposium, which will take place on 16 April. This event is taking the place of several section events that have been canceled due to COVID-19. And with the cancellation of our flight test safety workshop in Denver, we are also planning on a virtual workshop on the 27th of May. And finally, EAA is soliciting presentations for Oshkosh 21, which takes place 26 July through 1st of August. You can find details for these events on the organization's websites. Well, that's a wrap for this month. So join us next month for part two of Batteries Included and hear more about the X-57. As always, we welcome your feedback, your ideas, and all those other social media goodies, likes, follows, thumbs up, and shares. And until next month, be safe, be smart, and be ready. The Flight Test Safety Podcast is sponsored by Time to Climb Training and Consulting. Motivate your team to succeed, accelerate towards your goals, and elevate to a higher level of performance. On the web at www.time2climb.com. <laughs>